0: On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinold Show, we talk about movement versus joint-specific rehab programs, we talk about the trend towards anti-movement core exercises, and we talk about our essential reading list. The Ask Mike Reinhold Show, helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I am here at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston. We are here to answer some of your questions that you guys submit to us. So thanks so much for all the great questions. Keep them coming. We love it. I'm here with Lenny Macrina, Dave Tilly from Champion, and our students are here from Sac State. We have Evan. And from Kentucky, University of Kentucky, we have Jake and Bake. So let's roll, Evan. Let's get into this episode. All right.
1: Mandy from Wyoming. I have only been out of school four years and I'm currently finishing up a fellowship in manual therapy. I work in a large clinic with 12 other PTs and I'm struggling with low back evaluations that are done by some of the younger clinicians. They seem to be very enthralled with SFMA and other functional assessments, but forget that there are actual joints in the low back. What is your advice when trying to discuss what I see as a lack of screening? I like the SFMA, but I wonder if it is a better screen for after you get the patient three to five times in, three to
2: five sessions in? This is, I got this one. This is something I definitely struggled <laughs> with
1: as a new grad, because
2: I took the SFMA two months after graduating, after I felt like I wasn't really getting everything, and then I took McKenzie and t- another course, like, a month after that, and they were very much kind of in different ballparks. So, personally, I think that you can do stuff for the pain at their low back, whatever symptomatic, and you can still pick away at the SFMA around the problem. So, you don't have to wait three days. Exactly. I, I found very commonly I was doing whatever symptomatic modality soft tissue work I could do on their back, and I was going the McKenzie route at their back, maybe. For me, that was personally what worked. And then in the meantime, maybe there's an exercise for the T spine, there's an exercise for the hip, if they can tolerate it in a non weight bearing position. And it worked extremely well. It wasn't like I have to be only SFMA, I have to go pain management modality, symptom relief, you know, whatever, McKenzie. You can do both if you have a good assessment. Uh, well said. It sounds like too. Is this is Courtney. Is that what it was?
1: Mandy. Mandy. London, I was Mandy.
2: close.
0: So man- it sounds like Mandy probably needs to. I, I think you both probably need to open your minds a little right. bit here. I think Mandy needs to probably learn more of, of the movement assessment stuff so that way she understands and appreciates it. Because right now, it's, you're, I think you're speculating a little bit. So Mandy should probably learn that. But then I totally agree that the students need to learn how to treat joints. Right. Um, you got to put those together. The students are definitely getting caught up now in too much of these systems that are out there um, and, and too little into actually how to
2: treat joints and stuff like that. So I'm on board with that. I I agree. Sorry, go ahead. I I would just say one more small piece is you have to know when to push and when to not push. So, perfect example error I made, I was breaking out the MS flexion breakout. And I'm like repetitively kind of doing leg raise tests and flexion and low back flexion. I'm like, oh, maybe this is an SEMD, and I was kind of flaring them up as I went. You know, if you listen to them, say like touching my toes and sitting in the car hurts. Like maybe we won't break out flexion today. The SFMA says that, but I was like, I'm like, oh, I got to run the SFMA. Let's see what they got. Yeah. Just my. Yeah. It, it sounds
0: like they both work better together, and I think the SFMA just it just. It just Once looks you at your attention. movement. It doesn't tell you necessarily what to do. Mm-hmm. So you you need to know how to treat underneath that. So I I, I think there's deficiencies on your students' part as as well, though. That's it.
1: Love it, Jake and ba- Oh, Evan, Evan Eleven. Sorry. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Daniel from Chicago. Past six to eight years have seen core training move away from isotonic exercises and towards anti-flexion, extension, rotation, isometric-based exercises. Do isotonic core exercises still have a place in your programming for athletes? Also, it would be interesting to hear your explanation of why the strength and conditioning community has moved away from this and more towards the anti-flexion extension rotation.
0: I, I'll start by answering the second half. The, the internet's a powerful thing, right? <laughs> yeah. just, um, you know, I, I think the, the trend towards anti-movements, um, I, I think... I think it's a fantastic trend I think Stuart McGill probably championed this more than anyone at the beginning and then others kind of followed suit but the internet really rolled with it and then what gets what gets exciting on the internet tends to, to, to you know, the pendulum swings and it looks like it's super exciting when it's probably not as exciting as it is um, I, I think anti-movement core exercises are foundationally what you need and I think that's very super important but there's definitely movements of your core that you need as well so I, I, I think it's wrong to just do one thing and then you got to put them together quite a bit I mean just imagine doing like a rotary medicine ball throw I mean isn't that's that's an isotonic core to an extent don't you think you know so you know we definitely want to do rotational based stuff so um, I know we use the anti movements as our foundation as our beginning and then build upon that but it's often because we're trying to train how to stabilize the core and move the extremities and that's an important component to that that link so that, i think that's why we start that way quite a bit but i think uh you know avoiding it completely is probably also wrong but um like the, the mcgill people really took mcgill to an extreme right and like i, I feel like people got afraid to do anything for a while uh, what's what's the latest thoughts on
2: that what, are, what do you guys think yeah. yeah i mean i i agree with what you said that we Build a foundation, and then we're just promoting movement. I just if, obviously I'm keeping an eye on pain, and and just giving the client confidence that they can do the exercise, and watching them move, and just coaching them through it. I, I, you know, all this other stuff. I don't. I almost used a bad word. All this other stuff is just fluff that make people sound intelligent. So you know, I'm not against McGill. I think he's got some great stuff, and I use it in the back of my head. Um, but I think just movement is a simple movement, I guess I yeah. keep things way too simple than yeah. what the internet is I, I have a boring rehab philosophy I think compared to what's out there so I'm probably the wrong person to ask
0: I, I feel <laughs> like we, we, we almost created a trend towards being afraid to move that's yeah. Which is which is probably not great for the way people interpreted that. But again, it's because things become very, very
2: sensationalized on the internet. Right. So it's you know, right. it's all about how you put that together. Yeah. I think people have to remember the reality of the situation is that you don't walk around, you know, only not moving your back and moving your arms around it constantly. It's like right. we just go about our daily life and even just sitting here, all of us are kinda of like doing different stuff. It's not like you're just rigid in a pattern that you have to be like, Oh, I have to always brace my core and hip pin to grab this up before I work. We're a little bit more resilient than that, so we can't be afraid of stuff. Love it. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Perfect. Evan 11, what's next?
1: Yeah. Frank from Denver asks, any recommended readings for those aspiring to become physical therapists and also be involved in sports?
0: Oh, easy one, right? I have, um, for recommended reading, I have a, an article on my website and an essential reading list that you can find. It's actually a little old. I probably need to update that. Didn't you just kind of so do that? Just did one, yeah. Yeah, and then Dave Tilly on uh, shiftmovementscience.com. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Shiftmovementscience.com. Uh, I think you just released that yeah, too, right? Yeah. Like
2: all mine from the last year and a half, and then a bunch of Audible books I've been reading. Yeah. There's there's
0: a bunch. I mean, it's really hard to say. Um, I, I don't even know what to tell you to read first, to be honest. With you. It's it's a big list. But you know, I think it depends on what you're most interested in right now. So go check out our, our reading list that Dave and I have published and and see what piques your interest. Uh, I think first. it's, it's relevant here. to your population. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Your interest in what you do all day, mm-hmm. right? And 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 start reading that. I think those will be helpful so awesome is that three that was a quick three. one we did a quick Damn one it. that one awesome well thanks guys we really appreciate it thanks so much for everything uh you guys can ask us more questions on mike and click on the podcast link and be sure to go to itunes and subscribe leave us a nice little review we actually read those and and learn from those so um you know you know tell us what you think of the show give us some feedback so we can make it better for you down the road so thanks so much we'll see you guys on the next episode